Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Today, we're going to be talking about set yourself up for success. And I'm really excited about this because we're going to be talking about what success is. We're going to clarify that. So if you're starting to feel a bit of anxiety, it's okay. I've got you. And we're going to talk about the invisible structures or systems that successful people have that you may not be aware of. And we're going to talk about them and how you can take practical small steps. So let's dive in. When I started the show over 15 years ago, you know, I was really tough on myself and thought I was a failure and I was the only one struggling. And what I've come to find out is that we are all struggling. Like there is that common humanity. We all have our ups and our downs. And then over time, I was trying to figure out like what made some people successful and what made others, you know, achieve their successes more difficult. And one area that we can all work on is what I'm going to talk about today about setting ourselves up for success. But before we do that, let's first clarify when I say success, what that means. Because generally there's the big cultural terms of, you know, money or marriage or popularity or, or achievement. And we can blow them up really big. And for instance, years ago, I had a kid who, when she was about 13 and she loved swimming and was a you know, great person to have on the team. And, but when she turned 13, she stopped swimming. And one day I was talking to her mom and checking in with her about what was going on with her daughter. And, and she said, well, her daughter stopped swimming. And I said, why? And she said, because she couldn't be the best. And I said, the best what? And she said, the best swimmer. And those are the kinds of ambiguous goals that I invite you to really look at because what does being the best swimmer mean? And this was probably 2013, 2015, somewhere around there. Being the best swimmer as a female would mean beating Katie Ledecky, (laughs) right? That is a huge challenge to undertake. And if that's how you're going to measure yourself, you will fail. So when you are thinking about what success means, is it something that's within your skill sets, within your experience, within your dreams, or are you setting up an example that is so far flung that you'll never get there? And then you give up on something that you do really, really enjoy. So first clarify, what does success mean to you? And then the other is, is that you determine what success is for you. So one of the things you can do is asking yourself, what do you want from this opportunity? Right. I wish with that swimmer, we could have sat down with her and said, what do you want from this? You know, is it going to practice, having a place of belonging, feeling better after practice? That could be success right there. Not about the ultimate outcome of trying to beat the best swimmer in the world. That's a really high bar. And 
not really an arena that I want to get into trying to beat Katie Ledecky. There's a lot of guys that may not want to try to beat Katie Ledecky, right? So really getting clear about that. What do you want from the opportunity? What do you want from the time that you're going to put into there? And being really realistic of how much time and energy and focus are you willing to put in? And what do you want from that time? What do you want from that experience? Maybe success is often when my clients are going into meetings, they think success is everybody's going to be on board (laughs) and the really difficult person in the room is going to totally see your insight. That may not be success, but maybe success really is about you speaking up and owning your experience, owning your expertise in the room, regardless if everybody buys in or if that difficult person or the naysayer in the room buys in. So getting really clear of what do you want from the opportunity? What do you want from this time? What do you want from this experience? Those are three questions that you can ask yourself to help you determine what does success look like for you? And then ask yourself this really important question, why? Why do you want this? And listen very carefully because if it's because of, oh, this is what my mother always wanted for me, or this is what my mentor had dreamed for me, or this is what my boss wants, but you feel it dreading you down. This is something to really look at. Is this really success for you? Know your reason why and making sure it's your reason, not somebody else's as well as making sure you like your reason. And if not, you get to circle back and get more clarity, either change what success looks like or get more clarity of what is your reason why. A long time ago, I was wait, I'd wake up on Monday mornings and look at my day and it was pretty intense and long. And I was like, oh, and I had this bit of pity party of like, oh, my life is so hard. Look at what I have in front of me throughout the day. And then I said, okay, well, Corinne, you're an adult. You get to choose. If you don't want to, you know, have this really long 14 hour day, what are you willing to give up? (laughs) And the woman who has a podcast called How She Really Doesn't wasn't willing to give it all up back then. And so I said, okay, I'm not willing to give it all up. So then is this something you choose and do you like it? And I liked the different aspects of it. So I said, yes, I choose all this. And I liked my reason why I chose it. It aligned with many of my values, my priorities at the time. It was a really long day. And I decided that that was okay. I chose it and it worked for me. It's not what I do now in terms of that type of a long day, but it worked for me back then. So I got clear what my reason why was because it filled up certain buckets and it was a really long day. So define your success, get clear of it, clear of what it is that you want, know your reason why, check in to see if you like it. And if you don't circle back and you may need to redefine what success is. Now, the next thing is, is that we often think, or many people mistakenly think, oh, success just happens to people if you're lucky or if you're golden. And I've spent about 15 years on this show breaking through that myth of success just doesn't happen. You don't just get found, right? It's how do you show up? What do you practice? What are your routines? What do you create and cultivate in your life? 
So success doesn't happen. And there are keys to setting yourself up for success. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today with you as oftentimes this isn't discussed or they're invisible or because they're small things, we may not hold them in high regard. We hold on to those big things instead of looking at what is the structure that supports the people. So one of the things is that like I think about being in an athlete and over time, depending on the level that you compete at, but like we'll, t- we'll use swimming when you're a little kid, you don't need much of a warm up. You show up, you do your thing. But as you rise and get faster, and it depends because there are those who are really fast who still don't warm up that much, but there's a process. There's a ritual that happens of warming up, checking with your coach, preparing mentally, right? We watch the Olympics. You see all these athletes come out with their headphones on. They have a ritual and a routine. So they set themselves up before they race. And then there's a part after. And so if we take that practice and we incorporate it before you go out and into the situation that you're going to do and making sure you have that space to prepare, prepare emotionally for it, right? prepare so that you're clearly thinking. So an example of this is setting yourself up for success in a meeting, or if you're going to have a difficult conversation, right? Giving yourself 10 minutes before and after the meetings, the 10 minutes before is to prepare yourself to enter probably about mm, 12 years ago, my friend Hero Boga said something to me before, and it may have been either on the podcast or before the podcast, we, before we hit record about how important it was to be really clear and deliberate 10 minutes before you enter into something. And back then what I would do is, you know, these live broadcasts, but I would be on my email making sure like, Oh, I need to be effective and efficient and get this thing done. And so I had two more minutes and two minutes was a lot of time, especially as for a former swimmer right? Where I can get stuff done. And I prize myself on being really productive. The problem is, is that as I was stepping into that interview, my brain was still working on letting go of that email. So over time, what she said to me landed and I was able to go, oh yes, giving myself that space 10 minutes before to be really deliberate about going into this meeting. And when you can do that, it gives you clarity. It gives you insight. It allows you to be focused, right? So for my clients who are in my groups, I I invite them to do this practice of setting themselves up, even though we're on zoom and we'll start at the top of the hour to jump in five or 10 minutes beforehand. That way they get their computer set up, their microphone set up. That way at the top of the hour, we can get going. And then one of the byproducts is they get to connect with each other and spend time talking with each other, right? That happens when we have face-to-face meetings is if we get there early, we can do a little chit-chat, get ourselves settled, make sure our pen's working, have our notebook out and get ourselves prepared. There's this great collegiate coach who's won all these national championships. And one of the things he tells his athletes is that showing up on time is getting there 15 minutes before and having a notebook and pen. And he does this with college men who at the time weren't very eager for it, but it becomes this practice that when they go into their professional lives, it really supports them. And here's something else that's really important. We may do this in our professional lives, but then we forget these systems and structures that we have 
and don't incorporate them in our personal life, especially when we're having hard conversations, right? This is when we tend to become more reactive because we're coming in from the day, we're exhausted, we just want to transition. We don't think about how do we set ourselves up for success and maybe having an authentic and vulnerable conversation with somebody we love. So that 10 minutes before and 10 minutes after are really, really important to give you the space so that you can have clarity of thought to maybe ground you, to let go of the emotional energy you may have had from other things. And so that you can get from that experience what it is that you're looking for. So remember when I started this podcast, I talked about what is success and we talked about the big things, right? The money, the achievements, the popularity, right? The career titles. And I'm talking about what does success look like in this particular moment, whether it's a meeting, a tough conversation, maybe it's putting your child to bed. What does success look like? (laughs) I think back to those days, success looked like I could read to my child, give my child a peck on the forehead and say goodnight and love her and she would go to sleep. (laughs) That was success. (laughs) right? But how often was I showing up with frantic energy of my own versus having calming energy when I went into the space? So I love that from my friend Hiro Boga of what you do 10 minutes before and setting yourself up and then transitioning out after. And the after part is really, really key because it helps you unpack the meaning. Often we go into being a big critic of ourselves and we judge ourselves and beat ourselves up or should on ourselves, right? That doesn't actually help us evolve and learn and grow. So instead it's about how do we have a debriefing with ourselves? And so if you can, after the meeting for 10 minutes, and it doesn't take that long. And it may be, if you give yourself 10, you may only need three to five minutes, but you can ask yourself what worked well what can be improved? Or what did I do well? And what do I want to improve? And getting that out on paper, it gets it out of your head so that you're cleaned up for the next thing you move to. And some of you may be saying, but Corinne, that's fine and dandy, but I go back to back to back and I don't have time for that. I get that. So set yourself up before you get in. And then at the end of the day, know what the transition time that you need to get yourself settled, especially if you're somebody that really loves productivity and wants to be productive. And I've noticed with myself, I get really frustrated because I'm like, oh, I need to sit down. There's some fussing time that I need to do to get myself settled. I think about like animals, dogs and stuff before they sit into their beds, they like to move their blankets around, move stuff around and get it all right. And then they settle in. That's what that buffer of 10 minutes before and 10 minutes after is. So that part's really important. That's setting yourself up for success. That time before and that time after can really, really be beneficial for you. The other one is space for you to think. This one is so, so important. In our education, this is not something we've ever really been prepared for right? Our education is often focused on outcome. What are your test results? What are your grades? What did you produce? It's not about what is your process of thinking and giving yourself the space to think. It's, it's about how do you absorb this information and then regurgitate it and put it back out. But we need to think. 
We need time to think and reflect and be with ourselves and pay attention to go, okay, here's what all these other people think. What do I think? How am I feeling? Giving ourselves space for that. So often we're trying to be so productive and it's like, okay, get into work, get it all done. And I've done this and then get out of work and then go on to the next thing. And you just feel like you're on this hamster wheel that never, never ends. Give yourself space to think. We're not talking about a lot of time, right? We're just talking about time to think. Sometimes I found myself where I may get in the car and I'll turn everything off and that will be my space to think. Those are some of the small steps early on. Finding times in the day where you want time to think. Maybe it's time when you're cooking. I have clients who love to garden because that's their time to think. And it's nice and focused. For me, paint by numbers. It can be a time to absorb, you know, audio stuff, audio content. And it can be a time for me to turn everything off and absorb my own brain. So creating space for you to think and reflect. Now, I have also found... (laughs) that space to think between two and four in the morning is probably not the best time to be thinking in the darkness of the night. (laughs) So if that's the time that you do notice, does that drain you? Does it fill you up? Does it ignite more anxiety or fear? Or does it calm you down? Test it out for you. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about space to think. I'm talking about during your wake hours when you have space to think. Another area of setting yourself up for success is making a decision and then testing it out, right? We learn by doing, and it's important to make a decision. We can analyze, we can try to research and try to figure it out so that there's no problems. But until we step forward and go and test it out, we're not going to give enough feedback. So make a decision and test it out. Stop trying to find the perfect answer. You may not know what the answer is until you do it. So my invitation is to go out and quote, play, play is testing it out, learn, be in that growth mindset and do it and then reflect back. I had a client who over the holidays went on vacation with her family and she was telling me her highlights and she said, I figured out how to have what she needed and what she wanted was rest and she wanted to get some books read and she wanted to have time to connect with her daughter and her husband, but also have some rest. And she found that for her to rent a cabana at the pool was ideal because then she didn't have to waste brain juice every day of where her seat's going to be. Is there going to be a seat at the pool for her or not? She knew exactly where she was going to be. She could go down there. So then she could spend her time on reading, on resting, on absorbing information, on connecting with her loved ones. Right. And this is something that has been over time. She's had other systems in place. And then this one, she's added this one on top of it. So start thinking about making a decision and then testing it out. We always talk about commit to the best case scenario and manage risk. So only rent the cabana if that's a risk that you can sustain, right? And then you test it out. And sometimes when I'm sitting here not willing to make a decision, I'll say, okay, especially if it's a financial decision, how much is this? And if I'm spending five hours over spending $30, I have to really put that into perspective, right? And so that's what I'm talking about. Make a decision and 
test it out, but always with managing the risk and understanding that. The next one is a constraint on what you do and what you don't do. Okay. I have a client who had this guilt because her son, she had passed the New York bar exam. And then her son said, well, (laughs) does that mean you can cook dinner now? And she had all this guilt, right? This mom guilt about doing this cooking. And I asked her, I said, well, do you want to cook dinner? And she said, no, I have no desire. And I said, okay. So that's a constraint of what I don't do. Regardless of the family of origin programming, the cultural programming about what we're supposed to do as women. If that is not something that you want to do, but you're willing to find other ways to, as you know, as a parent, we have certain responsibilities that we agree to, and that may be one is feeding your child. So how are you going to go about doing that? I was at Trader Joe's yesterday and I found this Brussels sprouts dish that it was awesome. And I cooked it on the stovetop and I called it cooking. And I was laughing with myself last night because there was like hazelnuts and you roast it and shredded Brussels sprouts and they had some sauce. And so I was cooking and I go, this is my version of cooking. This is where I'm in my cooking journey. There was a while there that I was making everything from scratch. And now I really haven't since COVID wanted to do any cooking. And that was kind of me dipping my toes in was making this Brussels sprout dish. And it was fun and fantastic. And it was great because it all came in these baggies and I just followed the directions and it took about eight minutes. And that for me was where I am in cooking. I have that constraint. Instead of thinking it has to look like X or it has to be the way it once was, say three or four years ago, I'm not going to cook everything from scratch right now. And I'm okay with that. So what is the constraint on what you do? And then finally is getting support. So getting clear about what are the things you must really do and what are the things other people can do. So an example is that Trader Joe's bag. It was a Brussels sprouts kit. And I looked at it last night when I was at the store a couple days ago and I decided I'm going to try this. That's something I can do. I got support on things I didn't want to do, like slicing up the Brussels sprouts, but I was willing to cook it over five or eight minutes. So that's one example. The other is who else can do it, right? So there are things that I outsource. Like my dad used to change the oil in our cars. That is not something that I've ever done. And I've always outsourced that. So getting really clear about what are the things you do and what are the things you don't do. While I love coffee, most days I make my own coffee and some, you know, as a treat, I go out to my coffee shop. So what is the support that you need? Being really clear about that, right? For some of my clients, coaching is a support that they need, or actually from all of my clients. So for some of our community here, coaching is a support that they need, and it's not something they can outsource, right? It's that support that they need so that they can go and show up. And it's so cool because as I work with my clients and I see when they're working through the issues, because here's the truth. It's not that we do this work and finally one day we end up and we're like, oh, I never have problems because there's always going to be issues and problems and messes. Like that's the reality and it's how you move through them. And one of the things that doesn't really get shared often is that people who are successful have a great deal of support. Some of the support is the offloading where somebody else gets to do it right? And some of the support is supporting the person so that they can go and be brave in their life. So getting clear on what is the support that you need 
and making sure that you get it. So my invitation for you today is to start today. Take one thing from this podcast, or maybe you had an idea that came up while you were listening to the show and go out and practice it for a week. And the reason I say a week is that when you first do it, it may feel weird or awkward because it's something new. It's uncomfortable and it's okay if it's new and different. That's why I'm recommending that you test it out for a week so that you can get past your own initial discomfort of doing something new and you can get a better sense of what's working and what's not working for you. The key is to really give yourself space to think, let go of the perfect way of doing something, test it out and have the constraint on what you do as well as having the support for you. I'm so excited for you to set yourself up for success in these small steps and they make a big difference. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. I'm smiling big for you. Dreaming, she is drifting, never been so. Wild.